We are in our final week of this sermon series called You're Going to Make It. And really this morning is the whole direction we've been heading for the last month or so. This morning's really what was on my heart that kind of started this whole conversation. And I'm going to warn you before we actually jump in this morning, we're going to look at a kind of bizarre passage of scripture. This morning is is way not the kind of text that I typically preach about. I'm I'm actually way outside my comfort zone this morning with, with, with what we're going, to, we're going to talk about. But this is the whole heart of direction that, that this whole series has been heading. And we're looking for a baseline of truth. Because if we're being directed or led by our feelings right now, I think we're going to be all over the map. I've told several people lately, there's never been a time in my life where we can trust our emotions less than this season of life. Does that make sense? I mean, they are what they are. We just don't want them to take the lead. You know what I mean? Like we, we need something that's stable that we can anchor ourselves to, which is why the whole heart of the series is we're looking for truth. And, and we've talked about the, the truth about COVID-19 is that you're going to make it. And the truth about suffering is that you're going to make it because we have a faithful God. And the, the truth about the election is, is we're going to make it because our king never changes. He stays on his throne and doesn't need to be elected, nominated or voted in. And the truth about the Supreme Court appointment is we're, we're going to make it because we don't have to win the popular uh, vote in the in the uh, culture today. And this morning, we're going to kind of zero in on just the big picture of the culture in which we live today, like the little corner of planet Earth that God has planted us as his people in this moment in history today. And we're looking for what's the foundation of truth. What is the baseline of truth? And, and what we have found just in the last couple of weeks, some, some research came out about Generation Z and their view of information. Uh, historically, Generation Z, many of them voted for the first time last week. And uh, record voting uh, was pretty awesome. We had dead people voting last week. It was great. And so um, Generation Z voted as well for the first time too soon. I don't know. Um, Generation Z voted for the first time, many of them. And what's interesting is just a couple months before the election, uh, some, some surveys were done of college-age students um, that are Generation Z age. And they were asked, where do you get your information? 83% of Generation Z said they get their information, their news, from social media. They, you're already murmuring. I haven't even gotten to the punchline yet. 83% of an entire generation in our culture said, I get my news from social media. They were then asked, do you believe that is a reliable source of information? Only 7% said yes. So we have an entire generation getting their information from a source that they know isn't trustworthy. What a picture of 2020, right? We got a lot of information flowing, just don't step in it. You know what I'm saying? Flowing, step in. There's kids in the room. I can't get more graphic. Like, there's a lot of information flowing. Just don't step in it. You feel me? So, yeah, I get all my information from here. I just don't think it's truth. Which means today, the most important thing we can do as the people of God is come together and re-anchor our hearts in truth. And sometimes I think, especially in a season that, that, that is full of this much turmoil... We might come into this room and say, I just want to walk out feeling better. 
But I would submit to you that's the effect. Like we will feel better if we think better. Like our, our emotions follow our definition of what's true and not true. Does that make sense? And, and so if we have any hope to feel better in this mess, then we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to grab a hold of some truth. Because we're living in a day, Ed Stetzer, I heard him say this just a few weeks ago. He said, we're living in a day where we are being discipled by our cable news choices and we are being spiritually mentored by our social media platform. We're being discipled by our cable news choices and spiritually mentored by our social media platforms. I'm telling you, we need some truth this morning. So please grab your Bible. If you are a guest today, we invite you to join with us in a tradition where we hold up our Bibles and say a creed together and a prayer together before we dive in. And if that's not where you're at in your spiritual journey, there's no pressure, no peer pressure in that. But for those of us who believe this, let's hold up our Bibles and declare it with some faith and some confidence this morning. Come on, here we go. The Bible is the Word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind. And give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you so much. Now we're turning to a weird, obscure, bizarre passage of scripture. Is a pastor allowed to call the Bible bizarre? This is bizarre. Turn to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, a passage of scripture that I never would have preached on had I not heard a phenomenal message years ago by Dr. Tony Evans. And, and I've wanted to preach this text for years, ever since I heard Dr. Evans' sermon on it, and just haven't felt freedom from the Holy Spirit until the moment in which we find ourselves today. And, and finally, we get to end this series here. And those of you who are doing the read the Bible through in a year plan together, um, we started the book of Ezekiel this past week. Uh, you'll finally get to chapter 47 about a week and a half from now. And and if if you are new to the Bible or new to church and you don't know anything about Ezekiel and you're like, I thought he was the running back that's overpaid and not living up to the hype. I said we got to anchor the truth. <laughs> Just saying. This is a different Ezekiel. Uh, this one lives up to the hype. Um, this prophet sees these visions from God that we got to keep it real and say are just weird. Like wheel and a wheel and a wheel and a wheel and a, I'm dizzy. That's a lot of wheel spinning. And like God tells him to like cook his food over burning feces. That's not saying it like that's not COVID friendly in any way. That is not CDC approved. Uh, there's just some weird little imagery in the book of Ezekiel. And some of it is him having prophecies about their reality in the moment. But then a bunch of his prophecy is about future events. About chapter 40, the whole tone of this super weird book becomes really hopeful about what God's going to do in the future. That God, see, in the moment of the book of Ezekiel, the temple has been torn down. The place where they knew they could interact, experience, uh, and enjoy the presence of God was literally laying in rubbles. 
Like what I want most is destroyed. And they weren't home. They were exiled. They were foreigners in a strange land. And, and all of a sudden in chapter 40, Ezekiel's like, but don't worry, hope's coming. Don't worry, hope's coming. Don't worry, hope's coming. And this is part of that glimpse as this angel keeps having him see these visions and these glimpses of what I believe God is going to do in the future for real. And that's where we pick up this morning in this bizarre little story. Hang with me. If you're a first-time guest, we don't usually look at this weirdest stuff. Verse 1, and by the way, I'm reading this morning from the New Living Translation to make this a little more easy to track along with. If you're using your phone, you can switch to the NLT. In my vision, the man, or the angel, brought me back to the entrance of the temple, which has been like super specifically described in the previous chapters. There I saw a stream. The whole flow of water in this story is really important. That's the focus. So there's this stream of water at the beginning here in verse 1. Flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. So it's just a little, little coming across the threshold, little trickle, just a little bit of water coming out of this new, glorious, restored temple, right? So it's just coming beneath the door, passing to the right of the altar on its south side. And listen, the, the, the directions here aren't that important. For those of you who get mad when you ask directions for somewhere and they say weird, crazy words like south or east, don't worry, that's not the point of the text, and the measurements aren't super important. I'm not fixing to throw up a map and be like, uh, this is modern-day Turkey. And the, no, we're, not, we're not going to any of that, okay? Um, focus on the water, okay? Verse 2. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gate, led me around to the eastern entrance, and there I could see, here's the water, flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. The distance is in the point. point. He led me across, and the water was up to my ankles. Okay, so it was just a stream. came under a doorway, right? was just coming across the threshold, and now it's up to our ankles. We're paying attention to the water, right? 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 If you're at home, you're paying attention to the water, right? Okay. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the water was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. So we've got this progression of the water. That's part of where we're going to focus. We're going to focus this morning on where the water's coming from, where it's going, and what it's going to do when it gets there. That's our focus this morning. Verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching? Son of man, are you seeing this? Then he led me back along the riverbank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Okay, so we're seeing this water getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Where's it heading? The Dead Sea, which we'll talk more about. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. Okay, so what is this water? We'll talk about it. Where's it heading? The Dead Sea. What's it going to do when it gets there? It's going to bring fresh life to it. Verse 9, there will be swarms cool word, of living things wherever the water of this river flows, fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. And then here's the sentence on which we hope to rest our hearts this morning. Life will flourish wherever this water 
flows. We're looking for some truth in this obscure little Old Testament prophetic passage about what's coming in the future events. And and here's the truth, the first truth I want us to anchor to this morning. The first truth is God is on the move. What we see here in the character and nature of, of God is that he doesn't just stay stagnant and hope we find our way to him. We serve a God who's on the move. He wants to meet with his people. And, and, and the importance of the temple, right? Again, if, if you're new to all this, the importance of the temple is that's where God lived. It was God's house. Here's what's weird about God having a house. I want to ask a question that those of you in the room, I want you to answer out loud. Okay? Where does God not live? Let me ask it a different way. Where does God live? Everywhere. There's nowhere that God isn't. As a matter of fact, there's places that don't exist yet that God's already there. (laughs) Right? And God exists outside of time, so he's not just everywhere, he's all the time. (laughs) Say, Doug, explain that. Uh, Talk to Lance. Like, I... So God's everywhere, and yet he's the God who comes close. I don't understand that. Like, how can the God who lives everywhere have a house? I don't know, but it's it's how he gives us this access. It's the difference between God's omnipresence and his manifest presence. That he's everywhere And yet he reveals himself. He comes close. He's the God on the move coming to do life with his people. In the Old Testament, that was the temple. In Ephesians chapter 2 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we find out that the new idea of the temple is the church. But we might get confused and think that when he's talking about that the temple is the church, that we're talking about a building. No, he means the, the people who make up this thing called church, we're now the dwelling place of God in some special way. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 6, he tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That those of us who belong to God have this special access to his closeness. God's on the move. And the way that he does that is through the work of the Holy Spirit. Keep tracking with me. We're going somewhere, okay? Anytime we see water used as an image or or as a vision in the scriptures, it's always a reference to the Holy Spirit. There's a connection. We don't have time to, to draw all those connections for you this morning. But anytime you see water in the Holy Spirit and you're like, what's that a picture of? It's always a picture of the Holy Spirit. And so this idea of God moving out and bringing life to dead places is, a, is the idea of the work of the Spirit of God among his people. And here's why I'm pausing there is because in the midst of all the bad news, I just want to tell you this morning, I still believe in 2020 that we serve a God who's on the move. He's not checked out. He's not removed. He's not like, uh uh-oh. Somebody told me about a meme this week where the angel is like giving an account to God for all the stuff that the angel planned for the 2020. And God was like, hey, did you get all that stuff done for the 20s? And the angel was like, 20s, plural? I put it all in 2020. I thought you said put it all in, right? Like in the midst of all that, God's not actually going, oops, we made a clerical error in heaven. We didn't mean for this to be the apocalypse yet. No, he's on the move. He's on the move. 
that's not just what God does. That's who he is. We serve a God who's always in every chapter of every story throughout the history of humankind. We serve a God who's been on the move on behalf of his people. Today's not any different. We're not so unique in our situation today that this is the one chapter in history where God's like, my bad. Right? And so the Holy Spirit of God is moving here. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in a couple minutes, but let me just say this. I believe that this vision from Ezekiel, so I, I believe in a literal interpretation of scriptures. I actually believe there's coming a day in the future where this temple will exist in Jerusalem and water will come out of it and will go to the Dead Sea and there will be fish in the Dead Sea for the first time in human history. I believe that will happen. In the meantime, we're supposed to model the kingdom of God. So there's a picture here of, of who our God is that applies just as much today as it will on that great day. We serve a God who's on the move. The second truth I see in this story is this. that The truth is God invites us to go deeper with him. The great theologian A.W. Tozer said, we can all have as much of God as we truly want. Like he's inviting us into this deeper move of him. So again, back to this weird imagery, right? And Tony Evans is like, it starts off with just a trickle with your pinky toe in the water, right? It's just coming under the threshold. Come on, how many of us, you know what it is? You walk in the kitchen with socks on and somebody has spilled a drink, right? That's why God invented curse words. Is if you step in water with your socks on. Don't swear, kids. It's bad. Like... That's the amount of water that the story starts with. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. He goes 1,750 feet, right? Where's my football players on? How many football fields is that? Anybody? Somebody said it. Don't be shy. That's almost six football fields, right? So if you have just a little stream of water that's just barely enough to step in like a puddle, and you go, let's say, a tenth that distance, what would happen to that little stream? It would absorb into the dirt, right? It would stop flowing. It would diminish. But in the economy of God, the move of God never diminishes. It only grows. And so he goes in this distance and it's not just pinky toe deep. It's ankle deep. And then we go another distance and now it's up to our knees and then his waist. And then he's like, man, I'm swimming in it. And the fact is, I believe that's the way God wants to move in your life, too. We come to saving faith and and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the way that it's moving in our life, the way we understand his work, the way we understand conviction of sin, the way we understand who we are in Jesus is kind of just like pinky toe theology, right? We're like, man, I kind of get what's happening in my life now. And he's inviting us into these deeper places with the move of the Holy Spirit of God. And we can have as much of that as we want. Like maybe... Dory was actually writing like a worship song when she's like, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. That should be a Chris Tomlin song, I guess, right? Like that we can, we can either be content to wade in it or we can go swimming. And, and the fact is, I think he's inviting us to not settle for less. He's on the move. And he's inviting us into the deeper things. And the fact is, I believe we have an opportunity right now in the midst of all the stuff that is swirling around us to go deeper with God.
Because I will tell you, in my life, oftentimes, the, the times I've gone deeper with God were when it was at its worst. When life was at its worst, worst point. So, so here's the deal. If you've ever watched a, a football player all of a sudden randomly fall on the field and start rolling around screaming, and you hear somebody say, oh, they got leg cramps, right? It's the most miserable thing. The most dignified, tough, burly dude will squeal like a little pig when a leg cramps. like, ah! And his body is telling him, we need some water. And for some of us, 2020 has been a severe leg cramp. Telling us, we need to swim in the deeper waters. We've been satisfied with too little. We've been content with too little. And he's inviting us into more. Into deeper places in our relationship with him. Some of us just want to feel better. And the fact is the trial might be the gift itself. It might be the thing that awakens us to want more of him and less of what this life has to offer. So the truth is God is on the move. And the truth is he invites us into deeper places with him. I believe with all my heart that God desires a season of great desperation on the part of his people right now. When I read stories about great moves of God, his people were desperate for his presence. That's not what I see when I look at the American church today. We're pretty content with a pinky toe worth of God. It's enough to get to heaven. The truth is God is on the move and he's inviting us into deeper places. And here's where those deep places are going. The truth is our God delights in bringing life to dead places. Because that water wasn't just moving out of the temple in a random direction. It was moving southeast, which doesn't mean anything to us because we don't live in Jerusalem. But if you travel southeast out of this temple, the way that he says it's going to be placed, it's going to end up at the Dead Sea. And here's the thing about the Dead Sea. Do you know why it's called the Dead Sea? Wait for it. It's dead. There's nothing that lives in it. Well, technically that's not true. There are some bacteria that live in it that kill everything. <laughs> so the only thing that lives in the Dead Sea is death. It, 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 its salt content is so great that nothing can thrive in it. Nothing can flourish in it. There are no fish. The Dead Sea is called dead because there's no life in it. And here's the thing. Part of the reason that the Dead Sea is dead is because it doesn't go anywhere. Water doesn't move out of it. All it does is collect water. And when water only stagnates, it dies. Just like the Christian life. If all we are is takers and receivers and God's not doing anything through us, we're going we're gonna to choke the life straight out of this thing called the Christian life. This idea that the Dead Sea can't thrive, it can't have life in it. And here's the thing, the salt content is so great in the Dead Sea that tourists travel to the Holy Land from all over the world to go get in the Dead Sea and float magically. I've never done it, I've never been there. But I'm told you walk into it and you're just like, oh, I didn't mean to float, I'm floating. It, it, and in this story, the Spirit of God comes into the places where no life exists. And it brings life, flourishing life 
That's what the Spirit did for me. <laughs> That's what the Spirit of God did in my life. I came into a relationship with God and dead places that had never lived came to life. That's what He did in me. And that's what he wants to do in the whole world. And this amazing idea. So think about this, right? If I've got a glass of perfectly pure water, and then I've got a glass of super salty water, and I pour them together into one new glass, is it pure water or is it salty water? It's salty. It's just a little less salty than it was before, but it's still salty. But the amazing thing about the Spirit of God is the the life of the Spirit of God overcomes death. That's what happens when the Spirit moves. Is the life is not infected by the death. It overcomes the death. And and, and this is where I want to talk a little bit about the culture. Because the focus this morning is on the move of the Holy Spirit, not on the culture. And I'm just going to tell you what I think I'm seeing. And this might not be where you are today. So I'm not projecting this on you. But maybe you're in a great place and a great spirit towards the world around us today. But I'm hearing and reading a lot of Christians are like mad at the world around us. Or insecure. Or jaded. Or offended. And here's the thing. Life is not intimidated by death. Life is not mad at death or insecure about death. But Jesus looks over Jerusalem and sees people scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And he wasn't annoyed at them. He shed tears. He was heartbroken knowing what life was available to them. The reality is that that water doesn't flow into the Dead Sea and say, I can't believe you're dead. It knows it's dead. It's called dead. And yet I'm hearing Christians who are like, I can't believe that people who don't believe the Bible don't agree with the Bible. Right? Like, dude, they don't believe what we believe. They're not going to agree with our worldview. Like, why are we so threatened by that? Why are we so insecure by that? And by the way, it's not new. Like, it's not new that we exist in a culture who don't view Jesus the same way that we do. We're not threatened by that. And so what I want to say this morning about the culture is this. And I want you to hear my heart on this. At Temple, we don't believe the culture is our opposition. We believe the culture is our opportunity. I'm going to say it again. At Temple, we don't believe the culture is our opposition. We believe the culture is our opportunity. It's our opportunity to walk straight into dead places and say, y'all won't believe how great life is. Life will flourish when the water of the Spirit enters its orbit. That's what he calls us to be. Like, it's not just that God wants to bring life into dead places. He wants to use his people who are swimming in the spirit to be conduits of that. And I want to say this. I mean this in love. I think the reason a lot of Christians are threatened or jaded by the culture is because we're we're too content with a pinky toe worth of the Holy Spirit. Like, if we were swimming in the spirit, I think we'd have a greater heart for those who were living and rowing in death. It should break our hearts the way that Jesus' heart was broken. Think about this idea that tourists travel from around the world to float and be entertained by death. A world being entertained by death should break our hearts. Should cause us to take another lap 
in the wind of the Spirit so that we can be light in this darkness. That we want more of God, not just for self, not just to absorb, but to be conduits of life to the world around us. The culture isn't our opposition, it's our opportunity. There's a very practical way that I'm asking you to consider being some light today, being some some water of life today, right here in our community. 2020 has been a hard year for a whole lot of people. And so we want to enter into the difficult places and offer some hope right here with our next door neighbors. There's almost 300 homes right next door to us. They share a property line with us. And we're doing something this Thanksgiving. If if you've been around Temple for a while, for years, we've collected food for holiday meals through Eastside Community Assistance. And this year, the school still did that on our behalf, did an awesome job leading the way so that we could still provide the sides for a holiday meal for needy folks down in our community. But here's what that's looked like for the last several years. We've asked you to go get some side items, put them in a bag, and come bring them to us. And then Monica took them to Eastside Community Assistance, and then they gave them to people that we didn't meet or find out their name or have an opportunity to pray over. And so this year we're trying to do something different because it's been a tough year. This year we have sent some letters to our neighbors saying, hey, it's been a hard year. If you need some help, we would love to provide a Thanksgiving meal for you and your family. And so we want to ask you, are you willing to provide Thanksgiving to a family whose name you'll get, whose address you'll get? And we're asking you with gloves and a mask to go stick that meal on their doorstep. And hopefully they'll walk out and you can introduce yourself and ask them if there's anything you can pray for them about. Now, we've got a card we want you to put in that bag that says, how can we pray for you? Text pray FW to 94,000. So even if they want a touchless delivery because of COVID stuff, hopefully we can still engage and pray with them about whatever is heavy on their hearts. And here's the deal. We want to provide a whole Thanksgiving meal, not just the sides. And so we know for some of you, that's a big commitment. You're like, man, I don't, I don't think I can do the sides and a turkey or a ham. We gave them the option because we all know ham is better than turkey. And so we gave them the option. Yeah, that'll preach. That'll preach. Except for fried turkey. That's pretty good. But anyways, we're not going to run a fryer in their front yard and burn their house down. Um, so... If you're like, man, I don't know that I can commit to that, we've got a couple options for you. One option is grab another family from your community group and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's together, our families, go do the shopping, and together as families, go deliver the food. We're asking the food's delivered by the Monday before Thanksgiving Day, right? If you're leaving town, you can do it on Saturday. That's fine. But uh, maybe you want to partner with another family to do that. Or you'd say, no, we want to do this as a family, but we could use some help. Listen, we've got some Walmart gift cards that can help buy the ham or the turkey, and you can just do the sides. Or you're like, man, you don't understand. I can't do anything. We've got help. We'll give you, we'll give you two Thanksgiving, uh, two Walmart cards, rather, and you can go get the whole meal. We want everybody to be involved in this. Now, here's the deal. We have no clue how many families are going to respond and say, yes, we need a meal. <laughs> It really might be that this is one of those, it's the thought that counts thing. And maybe they'll just be encouraged that we cared enough to ask. I don't know. Or maybe the whole neighborhood's going to say they need a meal and we're going to be in a pickle. 
I got no idea. We've never done this before. Hashtag 2020. Like, we're just rolling with it, man. But we're asking you to help. So what we're asking you to do is if you're willing to either provide or partner and provide a meal for a family next door, then we want you to text serve FW to 94,000. If you're willing to be one of those families that says, we'll go deliver a meal. Maybe you need to have a conversation first with your friends and say, hey, I'm obligating you to help me do this. You know, whatever. I voluntold you that we're going to do this, whatever. Um, but if you're willing to serve in that way, we're asking you to text serve FW. We want to serve Fort Worth, not generically, but personally, right here next door. And here's why we're doing that. We're doing that because it's been a hard year for sure. But we're doing that for a bigger reason. We're doing that because the truth that we've anchored our whole hope and life and faith on is that we serve a God who delights in taking life into dead places. And we believe he wants to do that through us. Like he's not doing that mystically and like magically in the spirit realm. No, like people loving people is how life enters death. How great is that? Man, let's let's enjoy the move of the Spirit of God. And then let's be a part of it moving into other places. Now, real quick, a couple quick thoughts, and then we're almost done. Because there's there's two more truths I want us to see. God's on the move, and he invites us to go deeper because he's the God who delights in taking life to dead places. But the truth is, we can miss it. If we're not watching. We can be so focused on everything else that's going around us. Ezekiel stood in a moment where he's asked, are you watching? Like, think about that. He's seeing this magical future that doesn't exist. And the angel's like, are you watching? What else would I be watching, man? You're an angel. But maybe the angel knew he could look at the fact that it's been a really hard season of life, Ezekiel. You're not even at home. Your hope is laying in rubble. Like, maybe he knew he could have looked at his problems instead of his hope. And he asks him, are you watching? And this is that whole idea of of we can have as much of God as we want. And this is where my heart is so heavy for the people of God today. Is I grieve the fact that some of the people I really love and really care about are going to survive 2020 and miss the opportunity. We're going to miss the opportunity to have our hope refocused and realigned with the hope giver. We're going to miss the opportunity to go swimming in the spirit of God because we're too content to just make it through to another week. He's inviting you to something greater than that. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this opportunity. It's in the trials. It's in the desert seasons where we experience life the most. Please don't miss it. Are you watching? Or are you watching election results? Or are you watching your cable news choice? Or your new cable news choice? Because you don't like that old one anymore and you picked your new one this week. Looking at you, Fox News. Or are you watching your phone? What are you watching? Or are you binge watching your show? What are we watching? Friend, please look to Jesus. Don't miss this moment. Look to Jesus. And I can tell you this. We can have as much of him as we want, but that doesn't mean we're going to feel magically better about how bad stuff is. 
It's not going to be like, yes, I'm really experiencing the presence of God. And now everybody is getting along and the economy is thriving and political parties love each other. I can tell you this. You can flourish in the desert when you're swimming in the spirit. Where are we watching? Where are we watching? And let me end with this. I said it at the beginning and I want to say it again. The truth is everything we hope for is coming to pass. I believe this is a real prophecy about a real moment that will happen in Jerusalem with a real temple. And here's what's nuts. Like this angel gives all these specific measurements for this new temple. And here's the deal. There's not a single elevated place because it says it's going to be on the mountain. There's not a single mountain in Jerusalem that can hold this temple. And yet I believe with everything in me that there will be a day we will see that temple. We will worship God in that temple. I believe we will see physical water flow out of the temple into the Dead Sea. And we will watch a miracle of life spring forth. It will be Genesis right in front of our eyes. I believe this is real because I believe God's promises are true. And I believe everything that is broken will finally be restored on that great day. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. And it's sooner today than it was yesterday and it's sooner this Lord's Day than it was last week before the election hope is coming everything that we wish would be made right will be made right hope is coming I believe it with everything in me are we ready for that day do we long for that great day God's on the move are we watching Because of that, here's what I believe with everything in me. The truth is, you're going to make it. The truth is, you're going to make it. Because you serve a God who's on the move in your direction. (laughs) His Spirit's available to you and through you. And here's what I'll tell you. There's some people in this room right now who haven't used necessarily this word, but they've described a reality from the last six, eight, nine months where they are flourishing today in their walk with God as a family in their marriage it's possible, God's not playing favorites He's not doing some special thing in their life He's not willing to do in yours there is hope available today because our God's on the move He's not forgotten